94.5 FM in Key Biscayne, your evacuation route from socialist nonsense. And so he has agreed to do, and uh, let's see if we can get him to do it today. Uh, We're going to try to we're going to call in the Netherlands, but there's a huge delay, a very long delay between what we're saying and what he's saying. So uh, We've had a call from uh, Poland before. Yeah, and uh, you have to insist on these callers to do exactly what you say. There's no deviating from the plan. We're not anybody's secretary. It's an honor. they got to call in. It's an yep. honor to be with us, okay? So you got to start seeing yourself as the victorious Ed Vidal that I said you were. Okay. So I'm going to try. We're going to redial. But when you call, when we call Europe, there's a delay. If they call here, then the line goes right to our phone. Therefore, they I They need that, to call us. Yes. Yes. We're going to try. Here we go. See the delay here? We have, uh, I think... Uh, uh, Your international call cannot be completed as dialed. Please check the number and dial again, or call your operator for assistance. 017-T. As you can see, uh, I think we're... I think Putin is colluding with the Democratic Party in the United States to keep the concrete conservative off the air. So... These are the things that happen on radio where we can't, you know, we can't fake this stuff. It is what it is. Now, we've got a toll-free number, 1-844-645-9773, which stands for WSQF. 1-844-645-9773. If the doctor and the professor is listening to us, call that toll-free. Call us. Maybe Ed can send him a text, maybe, or something. Mm -hmm. Don't call. 1-844-645-9773. Locally, we're at 305-365-7777. Better than a taxi. It's just that simple. We try to do everything the best we can. Now, it requires cooperation. And uh, sometimes the guest uh, wants us to call them, and that just messes things up. We try our best, man, but, you know, you still got to work with us here. And if you don't, you know, it's like uh, being in the food line. And guess what? When you finally get close to the food, you find me serving. Then what? You're going to wish you had listened to me all these years. And at the same time, he'll get the handicap section. You know, he'll be already in a wheelchair, pushing 90, curmudgeon. We'll just put, you know, white beard on him, white hair on him, and just use him only for Christmas. And... Uh, I find you very subdued. Did, did did Katrina like throw plates at you or something? No, no, no. I had a very nice. Did you have a nice Father's Day yesterday? Yeah, the two people that were with me said they were my children. Oh, great! Well, I didn't see my children. They're coming around the Fourth of July. I told them not to come for a family reunion. They're coming. Yeah. But I did get. I always ask for the same thing for birthdays and Father's Day. Twenty bucks. No, I asked for moonshine, whiskey, and ammo. <laughs> and since I have enough ammo for now, uh, I got. You- Three bottles of very good whiskey. Now, could you please like name the brand since none of them are sponsoring this show? Woodford Reserve. Oh, that's a good one. Uh, yeah, and then I got uh, the Balvini uh, Ooh, single malt. That's uh, that's money. And then Glen Morangi is another that's, single malt. I don't know about Glen Morangi. Uh, my wife got it, so I like the Macallan Twelve Year Old. That's another good one. That's like an everyday. 
No, no, it's really No, good. because the second one you mentioned, which is hard to pronounce. The Balvini? Bal- no, Bal- Glenn Morangi. They're both good. Yeah? They're, Absolutely. They're from the States or they're from Ireland? No, they're from uh, Scotland. So single malt Scottish whiskey. Oh, okay. So they're blended. No, they're single malt. Single malt, but it, once it once it says a, a Scottish whiskey, it's a blend. Of no, whiskey. it's not. There are plenty of single malt Scots whiskeys. Wow, cool! I just learned something. See, there you go. Yeah, they're great. They go great with cigars. Yeah, whiskey and cigar go together absolutely with that one cube of ice. Mm-hmm. So you can talk a lot of crap, and the radio doesn't have to be on. Right. So, why don't we just get to the to uh, to what the Democomies are up to? Sure. Now, uh, the, what do you think Hope Hicks is going to say when she testifies? She's not going to have anything to say. What's she got to say? I mean, why is she even testifying? It's just another waste of time. The well, thing, maybe she got naked pictures of Trump or something. The naked Trump. They've already given those pictures <laughs> to Congressman Schiff. Yeah. Naked Trump. And, and it turns out that uh, Schiff came out in those pictures and he didn't realize it. Yeah. He's he was idiot. at the same party. Well, the thing today... <laughs> Today is that there are all these polls that have come out showing Trump behind. Yeah, that's just like the election. That's, Hillary, that's Hillary right. A, Those are the same polls that predicted same Hillary. Same guy, same... For, they whoever pays the bill they, decides the questions of per, these polls. They predicted that Hillary would win, so obviously they're not very good polls. But so th- what's happening is these are fake polls that are trying to drive the, the conclusion, drive the narrative. And it's really not true. I think Trump is in a very strong position. For example... He's having his kickoff rally tomorrow in Orlando. There are over 100,000 people that have requested tickets. The arena only holds 20. Could it Maybe be? Maybe this is Professor Legutko. Hello. Hello, Professor. Thank you for calling in. We were telling our audience that you uh, have experience having grown up in communist country Poland. Uh, uh, Manny, Mac on the Rock and I have had experience with Cuba, so we have similar experiences. And we really would like to hear your uh, talk that you were going to give at Middlebury College on how you find that there are many components of Soviet totalitarianism in contemporary democracy. What do you say? Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. can you hear us? First of all, it's important. You're, listen, you're live on the radio at WSQF Blink Radio here in Key Biscayne, Florida. Are you hearing us clearly? I'm, I'm, I'm hearing you more or less clearly. Yeah. Okay, go ahead then. Yes, uh, you, uh, you uh, basically are, are, uh, can testify to the fact that uh, today socialists in America remind you of the communists in Poland, correct? my experience at Middlebury College uh, <laughs> in the United States. But when I was writing my book, I, uh, I had in, what I had in mind was uh, Europe, uh, uh, European Union, and what I see uh, in, in the West European countries. Could you be more specific? I mean, I'm a person who was a victim of uh, um, denying my freedom of speech in a, in a public forum. Is is that what you're talking about? Well, I I, I mean uh, uh, a lot of things. So the, the, the thesis of, of my book is that uh, 
That's the name of your book, The Season of My Dog? The, 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 the thesis, thesis of my book, thesis. which is called The Demon in Democracy. Okay, the thesis. Despite enormous differences, there is a considerable resemblance between communism and liberal democracy. And the, the, the thesis is simple, but uh, it has rather complex arguments to support it. If I were to give the shortest possible summary, I would say uh, something like this. What, what makes uh, communism and liberal democracy uh, co consonant with each other is that in each case, the political system is so predominant that it permeates the entire social fabric, all institutions, norms, even human minds. Just as, as communists provided the ultimate frame of reference for, for everything that was happening in the communist society, so does liberal democracy provide such a frame of reference for everything that is happening in a liberal democratic society. So you're saying that there's no room for civil society even in a liberal democracy? I mean, in, in, in the, it was in the nature of, of the communist regime that everything had to be communist. Right. Because com communist, so there was not a, a family but a communist family. Not education but a communist education. Yes. Not society but a communist society. Right. And the same goes for art, uh, uh, morality. And, and, and much uh, <clears throat> later, uh, I was somewhat dismayed, discovered that also in a liberal democratic society, it is expected that everything should reflect this uh, liberal democratic logic. Family should become liberalized. No. Well, here in America, we don't agree with that. In fact, we're well armed to resist. Well, uh, the divorce law, for instance, was one of the decrees of the Communist Manifesto was no-fault divorce. The only difference was in the communist countries, if you got divorced, the house and the properties of the family went to the state to keep the mother in the home, but her landlord now became the state instead of, the, and, and instead of selling the, the asset between the two of them or the man just giving the property to the wife. And now it's the state-owned in the United States, it's the same thing. You know, you get divorced, and, the, and for many, many, many decades, the woman got the home because of the children. And guess what? The uh, the middle class got destroyed in the process. And a lot, of, a lot of value was lost in divorce. And that was passed, unfortunately, by Ronald Reagan in California in 1960. Yes, yeah, yeah. The, 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 the Republicans uh, have a share in, 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 in all this. But even what, what I find really shocking is that uh, religion and, and churches also become more liberal and more democratic, both in the, in the practice and in doctrines. Even, even God has come to resemble a liberal democrat, just as, just as in communism, yeah. God, God did not exist, uh, was never less a good communist. A good communist. So, uh, so, so, uh, so, my my thesis is that uh, everything is a, a part of the uh, uh, system, which means that uh, that both com in both communism and democracy, there is this inexorable tendency to 
make everything political. Right. Now, do you think the United States, uh, the Democrats, really, what they really desire, and many people on the right, as we and me and Ed are, uh, they want a single-party system. What do you think that that's their goal or no? Do you agree with us that oh, that the Democrats are seeking a single-party system in the United States? Uh, well, uh, I, 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 I'm, not, I'm not sure. Maybe, maybe it's true, but what I see in Europe and elsewhere in, in the Western world that uh, is the disappearance of uh, the, the, the classical division between the left and the right. And the, 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 the political right has lost or abandoned uh, much of its traditional agenda and uh, has capitulated to the left. And well, the left. We, uh, not try yet. To, not try in to, America. Well, try to, um, try to be more specific so that our audience understands. Are you saying that the Republicans... Because I've been talking, uh, I have a theme that I'm hoping that you're, this is what you meant. Are you saying that the Republicans are capitulating to the Democrats because they're the majority or because they lack ideas? What is it that you're actually saying? What, I, what I'm saying is generally in the Western world, not only in the, in the uh, United States. I, I do not want to talk too much about the United States, but I, I know more or less what's going on in, in Europe. That is the, uh, it is the left that uh, dictates the, uh, yes. uh, that has the ideas. Right. Uh, yeah, bad ones, bad ideas. Bad, 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 bad ideas. And, uh, like term and, limits uh, and balanced mm-hmm. budget amendment. <laughs> and and, the, and the, the conservatives, the right, uh, uh, capitulates. They, they cease to defend uh, family um, and, uh, and, and, and marriage. If you look at, at Europe, it is the, in the United Kingdom, it is the uh, conservatives, the Tories, that introduced same-sex marriage. Yep. And, uh, and that was a decision that was taken by the left in France. So one might ask, what is the difference between the left and the right if both um, uh, have uh, were introduced the same uh, legislation. I see it also in the European institution. It is it is the it is the left that puts forward the agenda, and the right either ignores it, uh, uh, keeps silent, or or tacitly accepts it, like uh, so-called uh, rep- uh, reproductive rights, right? Okay. Which means uh, abortion. Uh, okay. And, so, but. And, and, it- and, the, and, and same-sex marriage, same-sex marriage and, and all of these uh, things. In education, education has been for decades in the hands of the left. Right. And, uh, and the, the conservatives do not have a clue what education. to do uh, about it. So if we don't solve the education problem, we don't solve anything. So no matter what we do here on this radio station, no matter what we do here in politics, no matter how many times we elect a bombastic person like Trump, we're not going to get anywhere as a country unless we take the left's schools away. And that's the point of my show. That's the point of my existence. That's the point of why I built this radio station, is to take the schools away. And we are, you and I are both in agreement that the Republicans and Democrats are the wings of the same bird. That's for sure. 
That's without a question. Well, let's ha- let me ask you, though. You were just uh, reelected to the European Parliament in the elections in May, and it seems that a lot of the nationalist and populist parties made advances. Do you think this will change the situation in Europe? Well, there, there, has, been, there has been some change in uh, Europe, uh, to, to be sure, after the election. That is, the mainstream parties, which... Uh, uh, have monopolized European politics for uh, for several decades. Uh, well, they they managed to preserve the monopoly, but it has been shaken. Yep. Uh, and uh, but the problem is with the right. There are few uh, political parties of importance in Europe that have the conservative agenda. That's definitely the Law and Justice Party in Poland. That's the Fidesz Party in Hungary. That's uh, uh, Lega in, uh, in in Italy. They, th- these are the major parties that what? have a conservative agenda. What about uh, wait, wait, wait. What about Brexit? The Brexit Party. Uh, the, the Brexit Party is the Brexit Party, and that's it. All right. And uh, that's one. That's one. One issue party. They want to sever links with the uh, with the European Union. There is not much uh, 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 in, in ter- that, that little terms of ideas beside beside this. So they're a single uh, issue party. We we have uh, we have a Vox party in in Spain, but right. the, the results. Uh, the results uh, were not were rather the, 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 the disappointing. It's, it, it exists as a party, but uh, but the government is, is in the hands of the left. Right. So uh, so it's I, I I hope it's a long process. We are in the very uh, early uh, stages of of the change. Uh, that's why a country like Poland or Hungary have become an object of fears uh, attacked by the uh, political mainstream uh, because because we are different right we we do not uh, subscribe to liberal democratic orthodoxy uh, we have different laws uh, of uh, concerning uh, uh, life and death uh, uh, well abortion of education is different and and, and, and all this now, uh, what party are you, uh, what is the name of the conservative party in your country? It's law called justice. Law and Justice. Law and Justice. And what percent of the parliamentarians are from your party? Uh, well, we have, in, in national politics, we have an absolute majority. And we, we're going to have parliamentary election in uh, October. And it's likely that... Uh, that we will win again with uh, perhaps uh, with a greater majority than, than we have. And we won the European election, uh, elections too. But, uh, uh, but if you look at the, the, the composition of the entire European Parliament, we are still a, 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 a minority. Uh, and the, still the, uh, the European politics is in the hands of the left. Even the, the the United Kingdom, as I as I said, the United Kingdom, uh, which uh, in the eyes of many has been a symbol of uh, conservatism, uh, 
is is a very left wing uh, country, the left wing uh, society. True, they don't like the European Union, and uh, 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 many of them want to leave the European Union. You think it doesn't translate itself into uh, internal politics? Now, do you think your country will want to leave the union as well? No, 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 no. That's uh, that's one of the paradoxes. We, the, the Poles, uh, the Hungarians, and the East Europeans, generally do not want to leave the European Union. They want to reform it, uh, and that's the difference between Eastern Europe and Western Europe. Western Europe is very left-wing. Uh, but at the same time... And Eastern Europe already went through that, so they don't want to return to... Uh, they already saw the extreme of the left. But they are, they are parties, a large segment of the society are dissatisfied with the European Union, like, like France, for example. Right. But in Poland and in Hungary, generally, we, are, we want to be in the European Union, but we want to reform it, and we do not agree with the left-wing uh, policies of the European Union. That may sound uh, somewhat confusing, but... Uh, well, it seems like you guys would have a better idea of where this could go, yeah. and you haven't been able to... But they want to be in the European Union because that provides them with safety against uh, a resurgent Russia. Yes. Yeah, Russia. We are, yeah, we are, we are between Russia and Germany. Right. So, uh, you, still, so, you, still feel the, you still fear the Germans? Not well, as militarily. Uh, Germany, well, Germany, Germany is uh, an interesting country in many uh, respects. Uh, it's, uh, it, it, it's, uh, it's the most important uh, country in the European Union, definitely. So it's intimidating economically, and and everybody fears that they might get into their military game no, again. No, they have no military fight. They, uh, no, well, they... they, 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 they it's, it's not a question of... Uh, 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 they could build a military in less than 10 years. They don't have the willpower. What do you mean they don't have the willpower? They have the technology. They don't have the men that will shoot. Oh, you they Germans have, don't. Right. They won't man an right. army anymore. They have, no. no, they don't have, they don't, they don't, don't have the army. The, the German army is under finance and uh, is, is, is very weak. But that's, that's not the point. Uh, the, the, the point is that the, Germany is very d- dominating... And, and, and has been, and it, uh, it is, uh, well, uh, they consider themselves to be the, the guardians and the protectors of Eastern Europe. They, uh, they, uh, they uh, say time and again, we are your friends, and uh, we, because we are your friends, we will tell you how, what you should do and how you should do this. Uh, how you should do that, and uh, uh, yeah, it's like uh, uh, having a, having a father and a mother arguing. Uh, yes, they are. They are yes, they are. They, they have this uh, uh, sense of a, of a parental power and and, and parental uh, duties, and uh, and this makes a lot of people. Uh, uh, angry and 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 and, and irritated. Well, Some of my German friends uh, uh, say that uh, 
Regardless of that, you are dependent on their, you know, GDP. Their, their business is important. Yeah. Yeah. So they're how is it you're going to shake them, even you, if you they're can. lying, because the, their the economic power they practically sustain the euro from a from a product from a value standpoint from a productive standpoint. Do they uh, do the Germans also uh, make their presence known? In Poland and in other countries, in their manufacturing base and uh, their employment base, do a lot of Poles work for German companies? There are there many German companies. They they own, uh, 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 I think, ninety percent of the media. Uh, yeah, so you're you're kind of in a. Unless you have cultural imperialism, I, from what you're from what you're telling us, and I'm going to associate it with the with here in the United States, so that our audience gets a, an idea of where my head is at. Maybe they agree or disagree, but what what I see, other than the fact that the the realities of European culture, I see your countries as our state legislatures and the European Union as a very fogged, confused, listless federal government that we have. So. Your countries are the 50 states, and we have a little bit more uh, communication because we're all within a country, yeah, whereas it, you guys are different cultures but, and languages. But it's as if California were running the show for all of the U.S. Well, in a way they are. Well, that's In a the way they are, because the, uh, what he's saying is exactly true here. The left-wing media right. um, is highly uh, manipulated by the techies in California who own these and operate these Facebooks and, and LinkedIn and Twitter and Google, uh, they're there. They're in California. So in a way, uh, yep. California is Germany. <laughs> in a sense. And we don't like to think about it that way, but I like the audience to think about it that way because you, you get those kind of, we draw well, you, those pictures here. Well, you, you, you have to be aware that uh, when the, the old regime uh, uh, was disintegrated, the East Europeans desperately uh, was looking for some in investors right, to help develop the economy. So the, the, the Germans, the French came here and they in, in invested and, uh, and it, it helped, of course. But after some time, it became to, uh, troublesome. Like, uh, Germany, in, in Germany, you have, I think, 90% of the media is German, Germany-owned media. And whereas in Poland, only, I think, 20% of the media is Polish-owned. Okay. And so this is, this is not a normal situation. I'm not, I'm not saying that uh, 
uh, every gen owned or parental media is uh, uh, well biased, but uh, there is uh, something uh, uh, really not normal in it. I mean, we could see how the the owners interfere with the internal politics, but uh, uh, but in terms of the media, uh, Poland is one of the few countries. In which we have quite, in which conservative media are quite strong. Uh, they are pri private uh, media, uh, mostly, uh, but they are quite strong. So there, there is a diversity of views in my country, contrary to, to what you read about Poland, that uh, uh, that the, the media are being controlled by the government. Uh, it's it's completely different. That is, uh, there is a, a, a large spectrum of views uh, presented, uh, and my uh, French or Spanish or or, or German uh, uh, colleagues are envious because in the country there is only one uh, uh, legitimate point of view uh, presented in the media, and that is the, the mainstream. In other words, they, uh, all of Europe accepts uh, of the fact that state-owned media is there to stay. Nobody's even contending. Yeah, even in England, the BBC is dominant. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, even even in the well, even in the in the United uh, Kingdom. But uh, but, uh, but but as, as I said, it, it, in Poland, it's slightly different, and it's it's better because uh, because you have from from left to right, uh, uh, but still the, the, the system uh, uh, of, of ownership is, is bizarre. Uh, as I said, 80% is, uh, uh, is owned by, of, of the media is owned by, by, by foreign companies. Okay, but we, we've been worrying about Germany, but it seems to me that Germany may be going through some political upheavals itself, because the alliance between the Social Democrats and the Christian Democrats, Christian Social Union may be breaking up, and it seems that the Greens are, are coming on strong. So what future do you see for Germany with, say, a more Green Party government uh, guiding uh, the European Union? Well, first tell, first tell the audience that the Green Party is an environmental party? Yeah, an environmental extremist. They, they shut down nuclear power plants in Germany. Germany no longer uses nuclear power, and that's caused them to have energy shortages and high gas uh, electricity prices. So that's coming to Germany. Well, you, you, you have to be aware that for, for many years, uh, Germany was a country ruled by the Grand Coalition. Yes. That is uh, uh, Christian, so-called Christian Democrats and, and, and Social Democrats, some sometimes liberals. Yep. So that's a, that, that's a country in which uh, the, the opposition was uh, virtually non-existent because uh, the left and the right uh, were part of the same coalition. And it was for, for many years. It's still now. But, uh, uh, but uh, the... Uh, but the, the mainstream parties are, are losing the, the, the support. The, even the, the Bavarian 
Christian Democratic yep. Party uh, uh, is, is losing the support of the voters. So what, what you have are new uh, uh, forces that uh, seem to be uh, uh, more and more important. On the one hand, you have the Greens, yep. and it's true that they have... Uh, uh, they have been quite successful in recent elections in Germany, but also in France and in the United Kingdom. In the three countries, the Greens have been very successful in the recent European elections. But in Germany, there is also the, the, the right-wing party, which is called the AFD, Alternative for Deutschland, Alternative yep. for Germany. And uh, <clears throat> it's anti uh, immigration uh, 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 party and anti-euro uh, party and uh, anti-euro uh, yep. sense of currency, right? They want uh, the German to leave the, 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 the eurozone and go back to the, to the uh, Deutschmark. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's true that you have uh, a situation in which the traditional political uh, ar architecture uh, seems to be uh, uh, somewhat shaky whether uh, 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 that will uh, uh, go back to what we had before or whether the, the change will be permanent uh, uh, we, we will see in, in the next uh, mm -hmm. uh, election. How do you see the political uh, shakedown here in America? What, what's your response for example to the election of Trump and all the uh, back and forth over the last two years. Do you have a, a perspective on that from across the Atlantic? Well, you 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 have to you have to remember that the, the polls are generally uh, pro-American. I mean, we uh, the majority of the Polish people like the United States and mm -hmm. like uh, uh, the, the American nation, and in that sense, we are different from. Uh, the majority of European nations where anti-American sentiments are very strong. Yep. I can see it in the in the European Union. They are more uh, 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 anti-American uh, and they are pro-Russian. They 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 are they prefer uh, Russia than uh, the United States. But uh, the poles are different. We are. We, uh, we have always been very pro uh, America. Okay. And, uh, wait, wait. Let me ask you. Let me uh, make a point there. This last weekend, my wife and I saw a new uh, documentary by Werner Herzog, a German filmmaker, and the documentary is called "Meeting Gorbachev." It just came out. I recommend you see it. I'm sure it's in Europe. And my wife and I were shocked by how pro-Soviet this German filmmaker Werner Herzog was. He was portraying Gorbachev as the hero that, you know, had transformed Europe. The guy was a thug. I mean, he's a nice guy, but he's a thug. So I recommend you look up that documentary, Meeting Gorbachev. It's in English. And uh, it's yeah. a, it's a, I was, we were surprised by just, I realized at the end of the documentary, this guy, Werner Herzog, is a commie. He thinks the wrong guys won the Cold War. Is that how Europeans feel? Yeah, Gorbachev was a, was was a hero. Right. Really. He, he was a he was a hero for many Europeans, especially in, in 
Western Europe. Werner Herzog is a, a great uh, filmmaker. Yes. But politically, he's uh, like uh, everybody else. So, uh, uh, so pro, then pro-Soviet, now pro-Russia, and, and anti-America. I mean, that's, that's, that's typical of Western Europe. Perhaps uh, Great Britain is slightly different. Uh, yeah. But, uh, but uh, France, Spain, uh, Germany, anti-American uh, sentiments are, are, uh, are very strong. So uh, there was no anti-Trump hysteria in Poland. I would say that the election uh, of, uh, of Donald Trump uh, uh, was... Uh, uh, in a way, was was welcome in uh, Poland. Uh, uh, the, 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 the majority, or quite a lot of Polish, thought it was a good uh, uh, decision. His his opponent did not have many uh, 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 well supporters in in, in Poland. Uh, Hillary, and there was a very successful visit of Donald Trump to Poland, right. a great speech that he made. I don't know who wrote the speech yep. for him, but it was very good, and uh, and uh, it somehow uh, resonated in, in the Polish society. So I would say generally we are, we are sympathetic to, uh, to uh, Trump, and we uh, his anti-political correctness is also... Uh, appreciated and the Supreme Court nominations. I mean, right. I think that's a, that's an extremely important fact. If you imagine Hillary having been elected on her nominations, that would have uh, uh, changed the, the course of uh, American history for, for many years. Right. So, uh, so yes, I would say. Did we lose you? It could be that we lost your call. Yeah, it seems like... Uh, Putin got through. Yeah. Anti, Anti-Trump uh, uh, hysteria or... Uh, well... Are you, are you speaking on a landline in Europe or a cell phone? Uh, the cell phone. Yeah, oh, yeah, we, lo- we lost communication. There, listen, there are no landlines anymore. Even landlines are uh, wireless nowadays. Yeah. Yeah. So we missed part of what you were saying. But anyway, to the next subject, uh, what were you planning to say at Millbury College? Uh, was there something in particular, a general theme, or were you uh, basically uh, creating an alert? Be careful, young, young they're, they're indoctrinating you. General, that is, I was I, I presented the the the, the abstract arg- argument of, of of my 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 book. So the the, the main point was that uh, the both in, in in communism and liberal uh, democracy, the society are becoming more and more politicized. I mean, everything is political. Uh, uh, like uh, like art or uh, education, uh, universities, uh, theology, metaphysics. Everything is political. You uh, everything is uh, meant to illustrate the, the class uh, struggle or uh, yeah. I call that here uh, the, the art or, of um, 
the Democratic Party has a brilliant ability to create a conflict over unanswerable grievances. There are certain things that go on in society that cannot be solved that are individualistic in nature and individual responsibility and accountability. And they seem to emphasize those things that are not answerable by any government, any organization, any family. It has to be you, you the person. You have to be accountable. And what are you doing when nobody's looking? And there's so long as people want to ignore that theme, a political party will have you think for a moment, we can solve this. We can solve this. We can solve this. Just put us in power. Give us your vote. We can solve this unanswerable grievance that you have in your head. And so many people think there's a fix in the system where some people get rich and some people go are poor no matter how much they work. And so long as that's the theme of the Democratic Party, which I believe Trump is unshackled, I think Trump is the power of his presidency, and he's got some people who believed in the fix no longer believing it, especially the African-American vote. They're finally realizing, you know what? It's not my skin color. It's how these people have treated us that's got us thinking that it's all about our skin color, and it's not. It's about staying home, being a father, keep raising a family, going to school, keeping your job until you have a better one, and unemployment is unacceptable. And I think Trump has been able to convince about anywhere from 5 to 10, maybe even 15% of the adult black population to realize it's not a fix. We've got to fix ourselves personally. And that's the art of communism, the unanswerable grievance. I say it all the time because uh, our show, for instance, we have uh, the two hosts here, me and Ed, where we have similar backgrounds, but because of the 10-year difference in age, he really is from another time compared to me, even though it's only 10 years. Because his trajectory here in the United States was he got an education, he got a law degree, he married an American uh, woman, he had children that were basically assimilated American, correct? Yep. Meanwhile, I stayed here, I'm totally uh, wannabe Cuban, and... Uh, at the same time, I'm an, American, I'm an American Cuban, and I don't even like to be called a Cuban-American. So we see things somewhat the same in terms of how we perceive communists. But my God, I see the political party, the Democratic Party, really, really using the same themes that you've been describing uh, for the last 45 minutes. Well, yeah, I think that uh, the left is the same everywhere, whether it's the Soviet Union behind the— uh, Iron Curtain. Uh, Iron Curtain uh, in Cuba in, and in the U.S. It's, and in China. Yeah, and in China. It, it's everywhere. It's the same. And one of the key points is to silence the political opposition. Absolutely. The mod- Yeah, the MO, the modus operandi. So uh, uh, give us uh, an idea. Uh, first of all, where can people buy your book and make it uh, repeated several times so that we can hear you clearly? And so that we have people, I, I'm assuming your book's on, for sale on Amazon? Yes, it is. It's uh, it's been uh, uh, so. I mean, uh, it's been selling quite well. Uh, I must say, I'm uh, I was uh, surprised, but it was a pleasant surprise that people were buying it. It was widely review- reviewed. More in the United States or in Europe? It's called the uh, the Demon in uh, in Democracy. It's uh, published by the Encounter Books. Uh, uh, and it's available now in paperback. The, de- uh, the demon in democracy. Demon, the demon in in, in democracy. 
and uh, yes, and I, uh, I, I'm, I'm trying to describe how the developments that I remember from my young days in the communist regime, how they are being uh, re- re- reproduced in, uh, you know, in liberal democracy that I've been. Uh, uh, seeing in mostly in in Europe uh, and also as a as a uh, Europe as a parliamentarian in the in in the European uh, uh, in the European Union. Now, uh, now how many? Uh, uh, when did you decide uh, to to be a parliamentarian to run for office? And I want I want the audience to know how how difficult it was it to get on the ballot. And represent a party and get elected. How was that process? Because here in the United States, you just go to the post office, you sign a financial affidavit that you don't owe millions of dollars to somebody, and you go to your your party headquarters and you say you're running. Is it the same in Poland, or do you have to be part of a uh, be accepted by the party apparatus before you run? Yeah, you have to you have to be accepted by the party apparatus. I've been I've been a university person my entire life. I'm a, I'm a professor of philosophy at Krakow University. My field is uh, uh, ancient Greek philosophy, which is rather uh, uh, remote from uh, uh, politics. No, so not Plato, at all. Plato is exactly Plato, the, the Plato, Plato wrote, wrote the playbook for today. And. Uh, and uh, it was in 2005, there was a, uh, a series of corruption scandals in Poland, and, uh, and there was an atmosphere for a new uh, opening or new beginning in, in politics. And there was a time where people from the academia, like myself, uh, uh, wanted to, to join. Uh, politics and uh, the political party, political parties were interest, interesting in having new people. So uh, I uh, I became a senator uh, because we, we have by by cameral to chamber uh, system. And I became a, a senator and the, the deputy speaker of the senate. And then for a short time I was the minister of education. And then I I I, uh, I was a, a secretary of state at the chancellor of the late President Kaczynski, and then I I decided to go to European politics, and that's my third uh, term in the European uh, Parliament. I'm a, I'm a chairman of one of the uh, uh, political groups in the in the European Parliament. I, I was. Okay, I, but wait a second. When you, I hope to be reelected uh, the, the, the day after tomorrow, but uh, we'll see. Oh, so you're in the middle of an election, which is no. He was elected to the parliament. He wants to be reelected to a committee. Oh, to the committee, yeah, which is internal. We don't, well, we have parliamentary groups. Uh, that is not uh, parliamentary groups, which uh, 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 which consist of political parties. Right. The the, the basic. The basic entities, political entities in the parliament, are political groups like right. uh, 
uh, uh, yeah, a caucus, like a caucus, a caucus, uh, like like a caucus. German, French, shall we say, Christian Democrats or social Democrats are in one group, and liberal parties from various countries are in another group. So, See, our, uh, our is it safe to say that uh, for you to make these associations, uh, like what we call, like Ed said, caucuses, uh, isn't there a lot of energy lost in? in those, uh, I would say, conjunctive forces, those aligning forces, so much is about maneuvering to get on these committees that sometimes, or most of the time, you run out of gas to actually legislate on behalf of the the totalitarian of the European Union? Because it seems like a lot of politics just to be in position to make change. Uh, Well... uh... I, uh, I, I believe that uh, the, the European institutions uh, shouldn't have uh, much uh, power, especially Euro- the European Parliament, which is somewhat paradoxical. So, so I'm uh, kind of uh, uh, pleased that uh, uh, the, the, my, my colleagues are not uh, hyperactive in 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 what they do uh, we are too remote from uh, our constituencies and from the real needs of of, of the uh, uh, society so there are there are certain selected areas where where uh, where we are needed and we we should be uh, uh, working uh, now, well, but what kind of uh, what kind of ideas when you tell when you tell our audience that you're working? What is it these committees actually want to do? Is it all trade related? Is it uh, diplomatic uh, statesmanship in terms of you know treaties? When you're when you're a country in the EU, do you actually still sign treaties with the other countries that are actually enforceable? Or is it European Union just voting on something that's collective? Well, uh, there are several European institutions, like the European Commission, which is a quasi-government. And yes, and they they uh, sign uh, trade agreements uh, with, uh, uh, well, uh, the, the United States and other countries. And uh, all the member states are party to to these uh, agreements. That's a, that's a problem for the United Kingdom now. But uh, when they leave the uh, the European Union, they will have to sign new treaties with every country, uh, right? Because uh, do you find do you find that do you find that to be a burden, or do you find that uh, more accommodable uh, for the UK? at the beginning it might be a problem you know all of a sudden you find yourself situation in a situation when you uh, do not have any trade treaties with any country uh, in the world so you have to work uh, negotiate new treaties of course the Brits will manage uh, they have a strong economy they are a very attractive uh, economic partner so they will of course they will survive but uh, uh, but uh, what makes uh, what makes them so attractive as a as a commercial partner? 
They have a lot of business. London is a, is a great uh, commercial city, financial city. So, in other words, lines of credit and banking relationships. And securities and everything. And, a, and a court system to oppose. Yeah, a great op- legal system, uh, insurance, markets, everything. Yeah, st- yeah but uh, still, uh, the, 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 the Brits, uh, uh, I, I'm afraid that the, the, if, if there is no deal Brexit, uh, the, the first years might be somewhat uh, uh, difficult. Uh, I think uh, later on, uh, the, I have more confidence in the future of uh, the United Kingdom than the future of European mm-hmm. Union. But yes. certainly, the first period will be will be difficult. Uh, so there are all sorts of committees, like, like in every uh, parliament you have... Uh, you guys actually uh, have communist parties in your parliament elected as communist party, correct? Yes, we have a parliamentary group uh, uh, which consists of uh, communist parties. Uh, some some of them are called communists, some of them are not, but yes, they are. They are communist parties. They have about uh, 50 members. Uh, That's quite a lot. They are. They they defend the, the poor. They are for for peace against no. the, uh, exploitation and you know, you know. You yeah, know. like our Democrats. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we're back to we're back to Democrats again. Yeah, free, uh, yeah, uh, defending the poor, and then meanwhile the poor just gets larger and larger. What they really mean is making the poor dependent on government, so that then they have to depend on the vote, the wealth they vote for more welfare. Yeah, co- that's called simple conflict buying, of interest yeah, voters. Buying vote. Conflict of interest voters. Yeah, we became a nation of conflict of interest voters the moment we passed the income tax and the amendment seventeen where we just turned this whole thing upside down, voting directly to to uh, elect senators, and everybody stopped paying attention to their state legislators from the moment we did that. It's the saddest thing. And it's uh, people just basically voting themselves out of existence. Well, it's what Tocqueville said, that democracy would survive until people learned that they could vote themselves a pension. And that's kind of where we're coming. That's our pension. It's Social Security. They steal it from right. me from Anything. my paycheck and yeah. give it back to me. And you wonder why my dollar is weaker. So in other words, you give me something that's worth a dollar fifty when I gave it to you in my paycheck, and then when you return it to me, it's worth seventy-five cents. What a scam! Social Security, unbelievable. And there's nothing we can do about it because try to take someone's Social Security away in this country, and you will not get reelected. In fact, you won't get elected. Period. And yet, that's the only answer to our prayers is to have those Social Security payments go to something other than pension, like health care, maybe? What do you think, Ed? Ah, that could be. Where the Social Security is taken from your paycheck, but instead of giving it back to you, it goes into a health savings account. Mm-hmm. The whole wad. And then you're free to uh, go to a doctor when you're in your 20s and not wait till you're 50 to go to the doctor because you might not have that much money later because you're not going to be as productive. Well, uh, uh, Professor, and thank you very much for uh, sharing with our audience. We we're going to stand up, and uh, you know we're not going to go and go around to get along. We're going to stand up, and we won't stand by. So uh, I I like to to thank you, and hopefully you'll you'll call us back. Well, thank you for having me. I was uh, uh, I'm delighted to. I have an opportunity to to talk to you and uh, to 
be heard by the uh, American uh, audience. And uh, uh, yes, uh, my pleasure. Well, thank you very much. Again, his uh, his book is called The Devil of Democracy. No, the Demon. The Demon democracy. of Democracy. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. the Demon in Democracy. Oh, The Demon in Democracy. The Demon in Democracy, yes. Right. Well, thank you. Th- thank you very much. Thank you. All okay. right. Well, um, interesting. Interesting fellow, yeah. And um, that's the beauty of the concrete conservative. We come out of left field on the right side of history. <laughs> It's interesting what he said, that my wife and I went to see this documentary. It was just released in America uh, by Werner Herzog, which is a, a German filmmaker that made some interesting uh, things. I didn't realize how far left he is. But he portrayed Gorbachev as like the hero of the end of the Cold War. Give me a break. Gorbachev is a good guy. He was good not to order the shooting of the people. That's a huge thing. That is a huge thing. I agree. Come on. We all thought that it was going to be Armageddon. So that's good. So why don't you sing his praises? No, well, there are a lot of other people. He even got Yeltsin to help him. I would would sing the praises of Ronald Reagan, Margaret Thatcher, and John Paul II. Oh, from that perspective. Yeah, absolutely. uh, I think it was much more important. Like, for instance, let's switch over to this decade. If we are going to really defeat China, wouldn't you like it to be in a type of negotiation oh, absolutely. between yes. Reagan yeah. and Gorbachev yeah. and Trump and Xi, as opposed to guns blaring? No, I agree. Absolutely. Because otherwise, you know it. what's going to happen? Nuclear Everything Armageddon. Would, no. There will be a battle over, over <laughs> Cuba with guns blazing between the Chinese and the American people. Oh, I'm not going to worry about that. Oh, guess what? Yes, what you said. No, but I agree. We need to have a, a have a similar strategy uh, towards China that we developed towards the Soviet Union of containment, forming alliances, and standing up to them. And the key, the big that difference, led to victory Ed, in the Cold is War, that the Cold War, even in the height of the Cold War, the totalitarian of the Soviet states were what the equivalent of. The economies of California and no, Texas. They, they had enough. But China, Ru- if China's Russia bigger. is the biggest part of it and it has well, the GDP of New Jersey, you're making really poor no, assumptions no, no. The, here. No, no, no. The the way to the, right the, now Russia's GDP right. is Ru- equivalent to New forget Jersey. Forget Russia. But at the, in the, at the time of the Cold War, Russia was an economic power. I don't think it was. Oh yes, in the 1960, it was. In it comparison was, yeah. to our GDP, I don't think yeah. so. But okay, so either way, we made way, it out to be by the media. Well, but okay, but either way. China is a bigger economy, but there China's economy is fundamentally flawed because it is centrally planned, and centrally planned economies that is totally are, always, it's, uh, are always going to have a lot of inefficiencies and malinvestment, as the Austrians would say. So I the think the containment part of, the biggest is the same part, thing. The biggest part of uh, a market economy is control of labor wages. And they can control labor wages. Yeah, but they make a lot of bad investments, so their economy is not as productive as it could be. Well, we make bad investments. No, you have striking as, employees when they have bad investments. You have food much, lines. Not as much as they do. So we need to confront them, and we need to have allies. But the key that that broke the Soviet Union's back is we need technological superiority, and right now we don't have it. And China is like on the five G. China is is very competitive, so that's the the real battleground, the the high tech manufacturing and innovation, and we need to get back to well, that. Well, I think Trump wants to do the tariffs so that American companies are forced to develop the five G well, here somebody, in the states. Yeah, somebody has to do it, but also we need more American students studying engineering, and science and business 
that now, will allow that's it. copy and paste from last show. No, that no, it's I told been you. the same. It's a, it's been the same issue. In 1982, the Israeli Air Force confronted the Syrian Air Force over Lebanon. The Israelis were using American airplanes and avionics, and the the Israeli Air Force shot down 82 Syrian jets, and the Syrians didn't shoot down anybody. That's right. It was the Baka, and over the Baka Valley became the Baka Valley Turkey shoot. The Soviet generals saw that, and they realized they could not win an invasion of Western Europe because they might have their tanks get through, but then the American Air Force would wipe them out, (laughs) and then the tanks would all be targets. So that's part of what led. And then the strategic defense initiative that Reagan would not give up at Reykjavik in 1986. Star Wars. Star Wars. So... But the the Soviet generals were not gonna were not gonna shoot anybody. They they just said let's wind this up, let's do it as you know peacefully, and uh, to heck with it. And that's what Gorbachev he kind of he governed over this winding up of an evil empire that could no longer threaten its enemies and really was you know we weren't gonna invade, but they couldn't hold their own against our technology. That's what we have to do with China. And yet at the end of World War II, the opposite was true. FDR couldn't push Stalin out of Europe because he owned all of Europe. Well, that's what happened. Okay. So who who do we have the call now? Yeah, there's a better than talking like this. Hello, this yeah. is WSQF 94.5 FM in okay, Cuba's game. Hello, this is Anthony Leonardi. Okay. How yeah. are you, Anthony? Uh, you have to somehow get rid of the uh, the background we're hearing. We're, we're hearing background either people speaking or radio playing. Can you hear me now? Is it okay? Yeah. Yes. You're quiet. Now you're well, fine. So you're on WSQF 94.5. You're on live. In with Key Biscayne, the... your evacuation route from socialist nonsense. Can you... <laughs> okay, so, so you got to chuckle. Anthony, so... why don't you tell us? You're, you're a student at the University of Florida, and I understand you're interning this summer at the Washington Examiner. Is that correct? Yes. So I am going into my senior year at the University of Florida. It's crazy how fast time has gone. And uh, I'm a news reporter uh, this summer at the Washington Examiner. So we get to do a lot of breaking news. It's really interesting. And it's conservative uh, publication. Yeah, Washington Examiner is. They're also the own uh, red state politics. Is that right? Red alert politics. Red alert. So they cover a lot of free speech issues that occur on college campuses. So, so yeah. Okay. okay, so you could testify to the theme of our show today, yeah, did you freedom hear, of speech. Did you hear the, uh, the professor during the first hour? I apologize, I did not. Okay, well, he... I actually was just getting off of work. <laughs> oh, good. All hey, right. hey, a good job is All always right. the, so the, the perfect the, excuse the, here. The professor wrote a book on called The Demons in Democracy. It was printed by Encounter Books, which is uh, also the publisher of, of, of somebody who's calling in a couple of weeks. And he's, he's noticing, he grew up in, in Poland, he, he lived through communism, and he's noticing a lot of similarities between the political system, both in the communist countries during Soviet domination in Poland and liberal democracy today in Europe and, to some extent, the United States. And one of the points that he sees, the similarities, is this opposition to free speech and this suppression of, uh, of free speech. In fact, he was invited in April to give a talk about his book at Middlebury College in Vermont. And the day before he was going to give his talk... The president canceled it because they were. They, they said they were afraid of 
uh, violence, and uh, there had been a problem with Charles Security Murray. Security concerns, yeah. correct? Yeah, so that's baloney. But uh, well, how do you relate to that? I mean, is this the sort of thing that goes on at the University of Florida? And, and how do you, you know, how, what's your position on freedom of speech on campus? I mean, when you see these kinds of excuses, we honestly can't help but laugh. You know, you say we have to cancel the event because of security concerns. Well, I don't recall the professor threatening to hurt any of the students. So what's the problem? Is the students need to be protected from him? Like, I'm trying to figure out exactly what the issue is. No, the problem is, is that you have angry students who are protesters. We're not just protesters, they're anarchists. Mm-hmm. who try to get involved in the situation, and they threaten to hurt others because they don't want to hear the situation. And that's actually, it's, I'm trying to laugh about it because it's the only way that I can handle the situation and be able to internalize it, at least me. But that's the issue is that the security concern is quote-unquote protesters who are anarchists who are afraid of the idea and are willing to hurt someone in order to stop that idea and shut it down. And I, I think it's, it's a reverse. It, it, I think the professor's argument is, is very compelling, but it's almost happening grassroots as you see it here because it's starting with the, 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 the demos, the Greek word of the people, which is this general spirit of the progressive left right now that thinks it's okay to shut down speech through threatening and through violence, whereas in other places I feel that it is more of an authoritarian to straight toward shutting down all dissent. Okay, so why, why, yeah, why do college and university administrators give in to this, and what's your experience at UF? Well, I, so I'm a part of Young Americans for Freedom at the University of Florida, and okay. I had actually started my, like, I guess, career in journalism by covering the things that were happening. And one thing that happened was we invited Babe Buchanan, who worked in the Ronald Reagan administration. She was the youngest female treasurer to serve the United States. She's the person that broke glass ceilings. Mm-hmm. And she was coming to speak about uh, abortion and feminism. And we displayed signs with quotes from Margaret Sanger, who's the founder of Planned Parenthood, who specializes in abortion. And uh, it basically denigrates immigrants, minorities. It denigrates people who she thinks are the dead weight of society. And one of those ways that you can allow the racial blossoming, these are her words, racial blossoming of the United States is through abortion. And we were confronting students with those facts. And one of the, uh, un, to this day, an unidentified teaching assistant came up to tear up our signs and physically assaulted uh, one of the members. And if you're interested in learning more about it, the audience is interested in reading more about it, you can go to the WashingtonExaminer.com, and there's an article and a video link to it that shows it's happened. So there are overt displays of aggressions in that way. And obviously it's worse where you see it in uh, campuses like Berkeley, you have more systemic problems, like in Stanford, which I also wrote an article on, where they just appoint diversity officers, and they basically say that there are conservative speakers such as Dinesh D'Souza who specialize in bigotry, so we're not going to allow them on campus. So there's overt demonstrations, as we saw in University of Florida. There is systemic problems, such as you see in Stanford, and then sometimes you get the mix, and then it's just a very dangerous situation. Well, um, it's kind of baffling to find to find that there is no real way to oppose this this behavior. What is it that you all do when this happens to you? Well, it's it's sad. So I'll give another example. Recently, we were holding up signs uh, because the last speaker that we had, uh, the, the Young Americans for Freedom chapter at the University of Florida, 
Uh, It was Christina Hoff Summers, who she calls herself a factual feminist, and she Mm -hmm. basically became famous by exposing the fraudulent argument of the um, uh, inequity in pay between men and uh, women. And she goes into, quote-unquote, debunking feminist myths. That's what her her shtick is. And then there is, uh, we held up signs, such as pro-Second Amendment signs, uh, advertising her. And there was one group of of students that just tore down our signs, and they did not care. We filmed them, so we had to call the police. And uh, some people, there were police reports filed. Some people now have that on their record. And it's gotten to the point where on our chapter at the University of Florida Young Americans for Freedom, we've had to call the police and law enforcement to get involved because otherwise these students are not going to stop. But I've heard that that Florida has new legislation assuring freedom of speech on campus. Oh, yeah, so that's one thing that happened. So we used to have delineated areas of free speech, free speech zones, and uh, now it's we pretty, have. It's pretty sad that we even have to. Not anymore. A, not anymore. It's pretty sad that we have to write a law about free speech yep. on campus when it's in our constitution. Yep. Yep. It, it was used to be confined in certain areas, and so we could. Say, you mean you know, safe, safe spaces? Our rights, uh, in certain areas of campus, and now um, that has changed. That was with Governor Rick Scott. Okay, so now, so you have these safe spaces now. Do these kids? <laughs> so these kids. Uh, don't they realize that it's very hard to get a job after you graduate from college if you're on your record? You're, there's a record about vandalism and no. Some companies might want to hire you. Google it shows that you're a progressive. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're a progressive leftist, then you're you're thinking that you're shutting down hatred. Yep. And they probably are aware that it might go on the record and that we're willing to call the police. But they still think that is a a lesser principle than standing up to quote unquote what you find is bigotry. And well, I, I, I honestly think that we're getting to a point where that's been inculcated into them, that this is a virtuous thing to do, and that the consequences of that, even if that means a compromise of jobs, they're willing to do it. Well, what do you think about Turning Point USA? Are you well aware of, uh, of the, the waves they're creating? And I'm, I was, uh, is that an assignment that maybe you can take on at the Washington Examiner? Well, I definitely have covered Turning Point USA at a lot of the events they've happened. I've spoken to Charlie Kirk, Candace Owens, Dave Rubin, a, a lot of the bigger speakers that happen there. And I asked them the similar questions, too. And there's a new Turning Point USA chapter that's forming on the University of Florida campus. And I think this is, this is a superb thing that conservatives need to do. And they need to align themselves with other people so that we are able to establish a greater presence on campus. Because the only way to counteract the phenomenon that you're seeing right now is to just grow in size and make it clear and present that this thought is not your thinking, is irrational, and this is the rational sort of thinking. And that if you disagree with us, what you see amongst both groups is freedom of discussion. So it's you can. Yeah, but how do you how do you bring that to the classroom where this stuff is being taught? I mean, one thing is a sign outside and conflicts out in the campus, but. What is it you do in the classroom yeah. to, to argue with the, the, that, the professor? That's, that's a good point. What, what are you majoring in, and what kind of reception do you get among your professors? Yeah, so I'm political science. Okay. And but I'm when minoring you do, in uh, journalism and history. Okay. So and, you do, do you debate your professors or just answer the question as asked so you can pass the course? Well, you have to. 
have to, <laughs> See, you have that's to, the point I'm uh, trying to get yeah. to. I want our audience to understand what you just said. You have to in order to get your grade. And that's the problem I have with Ed and everybody else in this in this damn town. You don't get to the heart of the matter. I got thrown out of college because I would fight the professor. And I would stand in the back of the class and say, hey, professor, it's diff- you have a difficult time holding a job. And that's why you're here teaching us this nonsense about statism. Yeah. And not understanding freedom is the time and wealth management to make mistakes running businesses. Half the time you're running a business, and attorneys don't understand this whatsoever because they're getting paid by the hour. But the art of freedom, the, the ability to be free is the ability to afford your mistakes when you're starting your business. Most businesses, 99% of the businesses that start fail because they can't overcome their mistakes. And it requires deregulation. It requires open markets because you're going to make mistakes. I'm an owner of a hardware store. The biggest troublemaking, trouble-based business that I can think of other than the produce wholesaling business, which my family owned. So we were involved in the two most trouble-worthy businesses that there is. And we learned that the hard way. When you make mistakes, it costs money. And on top of that, if you have a government that's overburning, then you're paying them taxes and making them go, they're making you go through difficulties with reports and audits and IRS. You can't fund your mistakes. And it's the saddest. And to your point, too, one of the first things that my dad taught me is when you first get your first, when you get your first paycheck and you see the taxes deducted from it, yep. how it. You can't help but be like, where's my money going and why is so much being taken? <laughs> exactly. There's a T-shirt that I wear all the time. Teach your kids about taxes. Eat 70% of their ice cream and they'll get it. <laughs> it's that simple. And there's so many things that I like to emphasize here on the Concrete Conservative WSQF 94.5 on Mondays from 5 to 8 is that listen to people who are in business. And that's why people have to realize that the only the only unfortunate reality of Trump's presidency is his 70 years of age. Because quite frankly, it would have been a rock and socket presidency if he had he ran and won in his 50s when he was really completing sentences and everything. Because the, the knowledge in his head is not equal to what is being said. Mm-hmm. You know? And if I could add on to what you just said, too, I think it's notable to also distinguish the two types of businessmen. I think there are people such as yourself and others that I'm close to, people in my family, that have worked for what they have. They have built it from the ground up. And there are other people that we perceive to be distinguished businessmen that have invested in things, and I'm sure that they're brilliant strategists, but they haven't actually put in the work themselves. And I think that's that's incredibly noteworthy when you're establishing the kinds of people to listen to. Because when you want to develop a good work ethic and you want to be profitable and successful as an individual, you're better off learning to the people who had to start from the ground up and earned everything that they owned. And notice how, none of, notice how none of what you study in college has anything to do with that. That's why I'm suggesting, especially smart kids that are, that are doing well in school, to stand up to your professor from time to time and flat out call him a statist demicomic. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of known as the conservative in political science at, at, at the political science department in the U.S. I have a couple friends that are Republicans. They're not uh, they're not too big of Trump fans, but um, I tend to be the one that just is the let, let's get the opposing side. And, well, uh, and keep I, in mind that here I, on our show, uh, 
we're both Ted Cruisers. So in other words, we we embraced Trump after he ran right over us with the Trump train. So we're kind of uh, uh, our you know we're both. He's more he's more of a, uh, Ed. You would say that you've been reformed because you grew up a Democrat. But no, no, no wait a minute. That was a long time. I've been a Republican <laughs> since 1980. See the long time time I, ago. I've been a Republican since 1980, and the reason I was a Democrat was because there were no Republicans in Chicago where I grew up. I okay. was a conservative. All always. right, you were always a conservative because yeah. of your fiscal policy. Yeah, but I was, uh, you know, the, back in the in the seventies in Chicago, I was a uh, Scoop Jackson, Gene Kirkpatrick, uh, conservative Democrat. But you know, she was my mother's pen pal, Gene Kirkpatrick. Well, there you go. But you know, since nineteen eighty, Ronald Reagan came along, and uh, I, I looked at his issues. and I said, "Hey, I'm a con- conservative Republican." So you registered Republican right then and there. Yes. Well, absolutely, since nineteen eighty. Okay, so so basically that was a long-winded version that he's reformed. Yes. And you long notice how I'm the, business, I'm the business guy, I get straight to it, he's been reformed. So notice the illegalese, he had to do the, you know, had to give us his thesis, the closing argument, and yeah, I'm a reformed Scoop Jackson Democrat. Which they would, he couldn't be a Democrat today. Thank God I was born a little bit later, so I'm just simply woke up, came out of the womb, a Ronald Reagan Republican. Yep. Yeah, baby. He yeah, he was there. <laughs> okay, so now what becomes of you? Uh, what becomes of you now? Do you have conflicts in your home, or both of your parents conservative? Um, both of them are conservative. Yeah, both so it's conservative. My 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 um dad is the one that's more pro Trump, and my mom is too. Uh, but me and her were both in the same boat uh, towards the towards when the election was happening. We had to debate about. The things that were being exhibited personally as a character of, of Trump. And it was honestly after that, uh, the, the tape that dropped it, we, we were debating everything that had happened. But we were having to weigh that with the cultural losses that conservatives were facing against a radical left. And what. Okay, but wait a minute. Trump I want to. Time out. Time out. Or conservatism. Okay, uh, when you get to the Washington Examiner. Stop calling lefts different names. They're all leftists, okay? They're all radical. <laughs> they're all radical, but don't use the... They're going to force you, your publisher, your editor, your editor, not your publisher, but your editor is going well, to pigeonhole you in writing in a certain way. There is no difference. There is no difference between a middle left and a radical left. They all think the same. Government... They're the party of government, and single party is their goal. And, of course, to do that, they have to lie and steal. And that is it. And that means your boss and everybody else, they're all lying and they're all stealing. And even if they're not actually stealing from your lunch money, they're finding a way to expand the government, to tax you more, to, so that you have less. And there's nothing di- Same with conservatives. On the conservative side, you either conservative or you're a freaking rhino. And then you're worse, right. you know? It's dis- it's disgusting yeah. when you have these, uh, these. I oh, I'm physically conservative, but I'm socially liberal. Hello, that What's, doesn't work. What the hell is socially liberal? I mean, what is it about you guys? I do have to defend the examiner here, though, because I there are a lot of people that are smart that allow me to have my own opinions outside of writing as you know in news, and they are very fair. I I just have to say that just. To, <laughs> Well, yeah, I. Uh, no, that, the that's, Examiner is a good. It's a conservative publication. Yes, 
But I'm guaranteed that if I start reading their articles, I'm going to see radical left oh, all over on. the place. Oh, no. Yeah, radical left. The radical left says, and the, you guys are still calling the progressives as if they exist. They, they died in 2012. They're socialists. And you guys are calling them progressive liberals. They don't exist. They died in 2012. And it's been over. So, Anthony, what kind of stories have you been covering? So, it actually began as I was I had the opportunity to do breaking news. So, one of the things that happened, it, me being a Florida native, is I saw first story I did was about this uh, woman who was in Palmetto who reportedly, according to police reports, stabbed herself three times yes. because she was, quote, tired of living in Trump's America. Yes. And um, that, that, I thought, was something that... I, this is something that college students are able to empathize with, but there's always the Florida man meme where yes. something in Florida is always happening that's crazy. <laughs> and it's like, why? Why is this happening? But ever since uh, I've... I have the ability to look at what I think is not being covered that the examiner can have exclusively and, um, you know, just paying attention to the environment and bringing things to the forefront because the examiner really cares about that. So, and, so are you going to be working it, remotely? Are, are, you, to understand the situation. are you going to be working remotely or are you going to actually go up to their offices, get a feel for the press in room? their offices, yeah. He's oh, so Washington. you're going to get the full press room he, experience. He's in Washington this summer. Oh, fantastic, man. Well, c- congratulations. That's uh, that's a really cool experience. Thank you. Yeah. It's a great place. I love it. You know, but uh, every once in a while, why don't you play this podcast from time to time out loud on your phone with the speakerphone on? This is uh, this is where. Sure. Yeah. So when you say, "Wait a minute," there's no such thing as a radical left. All of you are left and radical. So why are we separating you guys? One party system. We can't stop it. And of course, you'll find that uh, a great deal of really pompous statists are attorneys, liberal <laughs> attorneys. You but, know what I mean? But the other side is also, uh, like, look at the Federalist Society. That's all conservative attorneys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and how many of them? are doing a great job of putting in uh, new judges, new conservative well, judges. I like to know that. Listen to Oyez has a, a program where you can listen to the oral arguments made by people like Antonin Scalia. Yep. Clarence Thomas is known for not speaking much. Right. But um, you can hear his dialogue with Ruth Bader Ginsburg and uh, Justice Breyer and, and, like, back and forth. And these people are brilliant. Like, to see the dialogue, like, when Antonin Scalia is making an argument, see how well-formed it is and how much knowledge he has of philosophy and of history and of the liberal arts. And then, I, I mean, I have to give credit on the other side, too. They just have a wrong idea of how... Yeah, the premises are wrong. wrong. I can tell you that... Uh Anthony, Anthony Scalia was my contracts professor at the University of Chicago in uh, 1978-79. And you took the course twice? No, it went, it went from 78 till 79. Oh. Contracts. I was trying to imply that he failed it the first time no, and took it the second time. No, 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 I don't, no, I didn't fail. And he also uh, taught administrative law. But uh, contracts was our first, first and second quarter uh, with Scalia. Yep, he was uh, that, good. That is, that is what... And there's also, there are also judges, I think, that, like, free speech absolutists uh, would be interested in, like, as appointed by uh, FDR, there's one I just immediately come to my name, Hugo Black, and we immediately hear FDR and think, oh, man, like, what, what are we thinking? But there actually are some interesting justices that he's appointed, like a Hugo Black, that was, I mean, if you look at how he believes now, in the case of Citizens United, he probably would have upheld free speech. Mm-hmm. Um 
in, in that case too, which is something that conservatives constantly refer to as yep. as you know you know freedom of speech being a corporate same, right. Same with Justice Brandeis; right. he was brilliant, but my God, it was the okay, wrong side of every law. Remember about Hugo Black? He was a he was a senator from Alabama, had been a lawyer for the KKK. But yeah, he certainly had a problematic past. Right, right, right. A very problematic past. Yeah, he was FD, right. FDR's first appointment. Yes. <laughs> they, I, mean, the, I mean, the Democratic Party definitely doesn't have a bad, the, the greatest history. Right, absolutely. <laughs> I'll say this, that, to put it mildly. Yep. But. All right. So, um, well, well, well did, did, didn't FDR also appoint Louis uh, Brandeis? No, that was, he was appointed... Later. Uh, no, by Woodrow Wilson. Brandeis is, is older. He was uh, appointed yes. in the in the teens by Woodrow Wilson. But he served through the FDR administration. No, well, no, no. I he don't wasn't think, alive. No, I don't think so. He was. He older. was appointed by Woodrow Wilson. Yeah, I think it was uh, 1916, something like that. That sounds and right. And then it was Hugo Black and uh, many others that were trying to continue on the. Uh, you're going to probably not be happy with me using this word, but just for the sake of explaining it, the progressive uh, yeah, it's progressive uh, legacy right. of Brandeis. But they all ended up diverging so much so that it was really just a different legacy altogether. Yeah. So, well, well, I, 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 I wish you the best of luck and uh, keep your antennas up and don't let yeah. anybody look, uh, look us up if you're down in South Florida. Oh, I sure will. Where are you from? So I am from South Florida, the about Fort Lauderdale area. Okay. Well, come. Yeah. Look us up when you're down here. I sure will. All right. Thank you. Take care. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me. Oh, please, uh, please, uh, you're going to be invited again. I, uh, I can assure you. <laughs> take care and stay free. He didn't say that to the yes, professor. Take care. Thank you. Very yeah. Yeah. He's in a, a journalist uh, student. And no, Hank's a political science student, and he's working in journalism. And here's another one who should be interning for Ted Yoho. Okay. Welcome to the Concrete Conservative. This is WSQF 94.5. I'm yours truly, Mac on the Rock, with Victoria's Ed Vidal. Who do I have a pleasure to speak with? Uh, my name is Robert Meyer, and I'm from the University of Florida. Well, the Gator. This is Gator Country, man. We're being gobbled up by Gators today. So you're you're interning this summer for Congressman Ted Yoho. Why don't you tell us about that? Yes, sir. So I am interning with Ted Yoho currently. Last fall, I interned for his campaign and helped him uh, secure his victory up there in Gainesville, Florida. Um, it's tr his district stretches all the way from Gainesville um, to the tip of Jacksonville. And currently, I'm up in D.C. on Capitol Hill. Um, every day, working for him, taking constituent calls and concerns, and helping out with uh, the appropriations process at the moment. And what's the biggest concern that constituents are calling about? I would say the biggest thing that they call about right now would be impeaching Trump. We get a lot of angry calls about impeaching Trump and holding Attorney General Barr in contempt of court. No, wait a minute. Uh, wait, 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 you should have against. seen. Time out. You should see, you should see my co-host's face. And no matter how much I tell him how pinko this nation is, he won't get it unless he gets a call like this one. So I thank you very much for your honest, transparent conversation. No, this That's is a Republican Congress. Yes. How are the yeah. constituents coming out? Are they for or against impeachment? Um, these, con these constituents in particular, so last week they had the hearing with the former Nixon aide on Monday. And so it's usually something that happens, like a pop culture event that happens. 
And you said that was, right, that pop was, culture. That was nothing. That was Howard pop culture. Dean had nothing. Yeah, but it was right. pop culture. Yeah, so something like that will come out, and then they will immediately call right after. Like when Moeller gave his speech two weeks ago, right. they, come, they come out right away, and they all call like, you know, like 10, 20 calls within a day um, right at once. And it's usually responding to something that's happening in the news that CNN's pushing or one of those networks. So you think that this is all a MoveOn.com uh, mob? Yeah, it's yeah, it's more it's more of a mob thing. Yeah, because like today or do you or find them last... to be scripted when they call? Like they're saying they're saying the same catchphrases right. or no? Points. Yeah, they, they are on the same talk. It's whatever the, the media is feeding them, and whatever the headlines are is the exact same thing they say. I, I don't even think a lot of them know what being in contempt of court even means or what obstruction of justice, justice even entails. They just say it, and they want him out, and then they'll call for Yoho's resignation as well, Congressman Yoho's resignation. <laughs> that's a real big yeah, that's, a, that's a Republican congressman. He's getting those kind Keep of on calls. calling them radical mm-hmm. left, my friend. Keep on calling. Yeah. Socialists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And even the word socialist is a dovetail for what they really are, which are commies. And people don't understand that there's not much difference except for a joint chief of staff supporting a socialist that makes them a communist. Is that what you guys define different? Why is the mainstream already accepting socialism as, and what's, what happened to communism? Uh, well, communism it still exists. is more violent, but I don't... I, it's I, more I re- violent. I huh? reject both. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Okay, so now what's on, what's on Mr. Uh, uh, Soho's agenda? Joe's agenda right now, it's a little tough for him because he is battling with Democrat-held um, House of Representatives, so there's not much getting passed at the moment. Right now, it's just basically nothing fun at the moment, it's just appropriations process and, and making sure that that Trump impeachment vote uh, doesn't end up going to the floor. Don't they Don't they realize that, that just guarantees his re-election? My God, no, it's so ridiculous. They, well, they don't realize well, it. Well, um, here's one fact. The here's, problem is that we can lose the Senate, and it won't be because of the well, impeachment issue. It'll be because of the abortion issue. Mm-hmm. Not and necessarily. the Second Amendment issue has been, been getting going recently. There was a Violence Against Women Act that was passed um, to increase the red flag laws recently. And um, Yeah, explain that to the audience, because I'm not familiar. No, that was, that was only in the House. There's not going to be any legislation in this Congress. Because no, what, no, whatever the House passes is going to go to the graveyard in the Senate. The Senate is Guess focused. what? You know what? Harry Reid did that to well, us, to the, the Tea Sen- Party House. Cocaine Mitch is doing it now. Why do you call him Cocaine he, Mitch? That, he takes pride in it. He's selling T-shirts. He uh, takes pride. Take pride in cocaine? I don't get being, he, uh, That was his nickname. Why? Because cocaine he, Mitch. Because he... he, 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 he Rob, Robert, can you tell us how he got his nickname? I'm not sure on the cocaine mitt subject. That's oh, okay. Good. I'm glad you stayed silent on that because that's a, that was tagged. But anyway, what he's doing is every everything that passes in the in the House just about goes to die in the Senate. Uh, McConnell is focusing on approving new conservative judges and conservative administrators for Trump. That's all they're doing in the Senate. Is that right, Robert? That's, that's pretty much all that's going on. It's mostly pushing confirmations at this point and holding back any legislation that the House passes, like the Equality Act. is not going to go through. No shot on that one. Good. What the Supreme Court needs to do is bring up a case that really irks Mrs. Ginsburg. So maybe— you She'll know, have a heart attack? I didn't say that you did. <laughs> I didn't say that at all. You did that. Okay, so so we're doing the so we're uh, Ed Vidal has now acknowledged the fact that we're doing the same thing that Harry Reid Senate did to us when we had the Tea Party, and we had so many, so many opportunities to dilute and 
and demean the, the, the values in Obamacare, and because of Harry Reid, we didn't get this done. So now you're saying that we're doing it to this. Well, wait a minute. We The, the Republicans didn't abolish Obamacare even when they had both houses and the president. This, so. is, this is very true, and that got, got Trump elected. That's right. Well, we had the wussy rhinos in the House. Well, we also had the radical left, you know. We had led by Paul Ryan. Okay, so are you speaking your mind or just answering these phones? Are you telling anything to the congressman that he should hear? Any big ideas? Because I've got a website I want you to go to. Maybe you can tell him some of these wonderful things that I've come up with. I have a site called thefiscals.com, the reinvention of the United States by affect, not effect. Uh, One of them is something I've done personally. But the others are really, really, really big ideas that are not only viable, but they're, they're likely to happen in your generation because I definitely can't get through to Ed. Ed's like a coconut and the water's inside, and it's just not going through. But your generation has a chance, like, for instance, you guys have to find a way to get rid of the, the credit bureaus. You can't have three. You can't have three agencies determining the credit of of the American people. It's obviously doesn't secure banks. It's they bankrupt anyway, and the taxpayer ends up bailing them out. So you got to get rid of the the credit card uh, bureaus. You have to find a way. I offered it with a green book, black book credit bureau. Then you've got the southern border, which is probably the one I enjoyed the most talking about because for a moment there I thought Trump was talking about my wall that Mexico can pay for. I thought for sure. He was going to announce the train on top of that wall didn't happen. So I think you guys should put a train on top of a huge wall from San Diego to Brownsville and move cargo and compete with the Panama Canal. And Mexico will pay for their side of the train because the the, the plane, I mean, sorry, the trains eventually come to, you know, street level to unload freight. And those cities become free zones, massive employments. And it's called the Great Wall of Will. Then... I've got uh, a wonderful idea that I would love for your generation. You know, remember, I'm 54, he's 64, so, you know, we're going to hell real quick. 62, don't try to... Yeah, uh uh-huh. Wheelchair, we're going to be the wheelchair. So if you guys, you conservative folks, think about these ideas. Uh, There's a clause in the Treaty of Relations of 1934 for us to fully develop an eminent domain, the, the base in Guantanamo, which is larger than Dade County, Okay. And give it to veterans for them to build their shining city on a hill. And I call that GitmoFreeZone.us. And that's another website. It's an online book of 350 pages. And each chapter basically is a website. So that you don't have to read the whole book. You just read the ideas you like. But I wrote it, obviously, to get it out of my head or else my head would crack. But I wrote it so that you guys can pick up the baton. And maybe it'll happen and I'll look at it from heaven. But keep keep in mind, us as conservatives, from experience, he was born in Cuba. I was born to Cuban parents. I know know communism from 10 million miles away. Uh, Ed Vidal, living in Chicago, can see communism from 100 million miles away. And it's very important that you guys come up with better ideas than my generation's come up with. Because when conservatives don't have ideas and they're not creative, the bad idea becomes law. And that's basically what I want to get through to you. And the reason why we even built this station was to just be able to talk the way I'm talking now. Really, really pursue creativity in government. And that's that's a hard thing to do. So I wrote the book for you guys. Thefiscals.com, great, the great wall, great, wall, great wall of will.com, gitmofreezone.us, 
the Green Book, Black Book Credit Bureau, and there's more ideas that I won't get into. So, so maybe you guys can, uh, you know, get that to the congressman to get uh, read it first. Yeah, read it first. I personally love that idea with the Gitmo Free Zone. I mean, my mother's side of the family, they're Cuban immigrants as well. And so uh, my mom wants to go back to Cuba, but she's afraid to. So I think if there was a, a free new shining city on the on the hill there in Cuba, that would be awesome. Yeah, it would be built That's by veterans for veterans. And therefore, they couldn't commit suicide because they would be building their own houses, one for themselves, one for a, uh, a handicapped uh, veteran. They would have uh, their whole city built out for them, by them, and therefore they would have children there, and it would eventually become an American city that could be either offered up as a future capital of a free Cuba. After yeah. all, after all, the original capital of Cuba was in Santiago, and and the Guantanamo uh, area is, you know, in the Oriente province. And uh, Ed looks at me like, ah, that'll never happen. Well, guess okay. what? We have a society of Ah, oh, that'll never happen. And look, we have income tax, Social Security, Federal Reserve, Amendment 17, and Obamacare, just to, and LBJ Civil Rights Act, just because us conservatives didn't have a damn freaking idea in 80-something well, years. Well, the professor that we had during the first hour said that in Europe today, all the ideas seem to come from the left, and that the, uh, the right, the conservatives, don't have anything to counter. Well, the same, same thing's happening in the United States. Yeah. Why did Trump spend all this time about a stupid wall when he could have built an infrastructure project, not called it a wall at all, even though mine is called the Great Wall of Will. You could have called it the Great Wall of Trump. And you know who I proposed this to in the middle and the height of the election as his Uber driver? Not because I was working for Uber, but because I was chosen to drive him around? Senator Ted Cruz. And I told him flat out, if you don't build a better wall than Trump, you're going to lose this election. And guess what? He told me to go pound sand. Because don't even want to look at the chapter where I say, hey, don't think for a moment this is a government-funded project. It's not. Government offers the right-of-way. The private sector comes out with a publicly traded company and through an infrastructure bank. We invest in the bank. The bank funds the train. The natural gas pipeline that runs through the bulwark funds also the train. The train companies have to invest because they want to be on the tracks, Right. And then the, the cargo companies, not only freight cargo, but also li- uh, liquid natural gas freight cargo companies who are going to be on both ends of these ports. Now, mind you, San Diego is the richest port, and Brownsville is the poorest port, so it's kind of poetic justice that this Great Wall of Will connects the wealthiest city in America to the poorest city in America. There's got to be something said for that. And it definitely will beat the 14, 16 days it takes a ship to go through the Panama Canal. You can move this product from the Gulf of Mexico to the Pacific Ocean in 10 hours. And uh, people have got to realize that Ted had the same first name as the last guy to come up with a big idea like this, which was the completion of the Panama Canal, Teddy Roosevelt. Look how much that changed American commerce forever. And why not you guys not embrace the idea? So don't be surprised if it's a stock on the exchange one day, GWW, Great Wall of Will, on the New York Stock Exchange. And we might, you know, donate some shares to, like, Ed Vidal's Victory uh, Estate Trust, something, just because he nods his head and just doesn't believe in the idea. And that's why I have him here on Blink Radio. Look at him. He's, he's quiet. All these, all these fiddle-around papers like he's cheating on an exam. Look at him. He doesn't know what to say. 
And you don't know what to say either, right? Because it kind of blew you away, or you just... No, it did. It was, a, it, was a, it was a great plan. Um, we already have the Rio Grande there, so we already have the basis for, for making something. So oh, Yeah, right up the it's Rio Grande. Why not? It's muddy, it's ugly, and too many people are crossing it anyway. So pour okay. concrete right there. Dry the whole damn thing up. Why not? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. The plan's working for us. Well, thank you very much for your call. Now I'm going to... Um, if there's you, you have a closing statement, you have a thesis statement you want to say, uh, if you you know you want to sing a song out loud, you can do whatever you want. This is your country. We already screwed it up. Where, for where you. are you from in Florida? Oh, I'm actually originally from Atlanta, Georgia, and moved down to Florida for school. Okay. So um, I got the two states going for me, but I do I really do appreciate you guys um, having me on. Um, it was, a, it was a good good talk. Thank you so much. All right, man. Go, go save you. your country because we, my generation screwed yours. So shake. <laughs> I'll try. All righty. Bye-bye. Oh. You know, you're kind of listless when you're talking about the future. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you got a young person there, and you're sounding so curmudgeon. As so, Yogi Berra uh, said, the future ain't what it used to be. <laughs> the future ain't what it used to be. That is so true, and it's so that's so apropos for you. Yep. I'm going to take away your... Your victorious name. You're going to start be calling. I'm going to start calling you Violet Vidal. No, no, Curmudgeon Vidal. Curmudgeon Vidal. You you got to inspire the young kids, man. It's you know we're concrete conservatives. Remember, there's no wavering here. If That's we don't, right. if these people don't come up with good ideas and more bad ideas, like the Europeans said, what was his what what, uh, what was his last name? I cannot pronounce. Wow, I'm not going to say that on the air. Say it again. Legutko. Can you say that three times in a row? Legutko, Legutko, Legutko. Coño, he used his Spanish. Coño, you use your Spanish. Mm-hmm. And I can say Legutko. What? Legutko? Legutko? Cuckoo? Use your use phonetics. Use phonetics. Yeah, I got to get on hooked on phonics. Is that what yep, you're saying? Yep, yep, yep. Hey, I've come a long way, man. I was yeah. a stutter in first there grade. There you go. That's good. Like I say when I do my typos, you know, I've got typos everywhere. You know, I have a serious syntax problem. And it's terrible to be an author of a book that has syntax errors. And I'm still finding them all over at thefiscals.com. I still see these. My biggest mistake is editing my own stuff, you know, only because Ed has never read a damn thing. Well, I thought uh, Adam was editing your stuff. Well, guess what? He's on on at 7, and uh, maybe you should ask him that because it's been a while. And remember, since he's... Well, he's been busy. Yeah, that's the problem. That's the excuse. I think it was a setup. Sounds like a deep state conspiracy to me to keep me from ever publishing the book so that you can read it. Oh my God. Can you believe it? That means you have to buy like 10 books. When it's published, Ed Vidal will only read a book unless he's got it in his hand in paperback. How many? It's a big difference in how you uh, intake information, whether it's printed or whether you're looking at a screen. Okay, and There's can you. a difference. Well, delve into that concept more you, seriously. You retain more when you're reading from a page than when you're reading from a screen. And also on a page, I have a tendency, if I hopefully own the book, to mark mark it up. No, and if you hopefully pay for the book. Well, no, I don't have to pay. In fact, one of the, the speakers, a caller who we're going to have in a few weeks, sent me a copy of his book. And it's you didn't offer to pay? Culture. No, he sent that's it that free. Demo- that's that Democrat re- no, he sent residue free. you still his, have in his, your bloodstream. His publicist. Uh, sent it to me without me uh, asking for it. Just said, "Give me your address and I'll send it." So no, and also when you have a book, you can you can mark it up. I mean, you 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 outline it and then you retain more. Absolutely. Do you ever give your books away? 
Uh, yes, and I give them away and I sell them. I, when I moved, when I moved, I hold uh, I, I, the garage sale of books. I took uh, thirty-four boxes of books to Half Price Books in Houston, and got twenty-four dollars back. <laughs> for the 34 books? 34 so, boxes of books. And you got $24 Absolutely, total? Absolutely, yeah. I felt great. No, wait a minute. No, you these get... were used books. Used books have very low uh, value. But you're telling me you got ripped off. No, I didn't. Why don't you I give it to fine. your library? I was. I should have given it to Gary, Gary Hoover, but he was up in Austin then. But you knew who he was? For, uh... Yeah, yeah. Oh, so that's an error of omission on top of that. Well, I would have had to take 34 boxes up to wherever. I would have had now to you're the vivacious pilot at Vidal. A, a U-Haul. Wow. No you way. make no sacrifices for the cause. Think of all the illiterate, illiterate kids out there that could have read your books. They can get them very and cheaply. And they probably could have collectively paid the $24 on top of that. They can read them very cheaply at uh, get them at Half Price Books in Houston. Oh, so you're promoting on our station Absolutely. Half Price Books Absolutely. in Houston. Yes. That is really... And I'm also promoting the Center for Business History, which is... Uh, Mr. Hoover's uh, organization. Gary Hoover, and uh, look up uh, AmericanBusinessHistory.org on the internet. And uh, why don't you like, plug Statues and Stories, too? Well, StatuesAndStories.com is coming next with Adam Levinson. And Adam right now is in his car, starting to accelerate. No, he's going And his live streaming is home. on. Right. We can always be live streamed here, by the way. WSQFradio.com forward slash live. You can always catch us on radio.garden, which is a satellite link of all the live streams worldwide. So you've kind of Google map us all the way to the island of Key Biscayne, which is the largest island off the coast of uh, downtown Miami. Don't <laughs> confuse. The largest island off the in the and it's different from Miami Beach. Well, because it's much larger. Our island is much larger geographically than any of the links of mm-hmm. Miami Beach. Miami Beach can be very confusing, but there's a lot of bridges that link Miami Beach. They're actually links of islands that is considered Miami Beach. But even the Miami Beach proper is not larger than Key Biscayne ge- geographically. Really? Key Biscayne is a larger geographic mass All right. of land. But uh, so yeah, you Google, you it, it comes across uh, the Radio Garden when you open it up. It's got a cursor right off the bay, right off the bat on the home page, landing page is what they call it. You hit the cursor, and it'll just boom. It'll just beam up okay. well, based on your location. Well, let's go back to some of the uh, to today's uh, themes. What do you think of all these polls showing uh, the Trumps are losing? I believe they're complete and bastardized scientific nonsense. Made to influence the outcome. Fake polls. I don't think it's a conspiracy. I just don't. I find it so mediocre, not only from the point of who's making the call, but from the point of the person who's responding. For you to respond to a poll, right off the bat, you're unemployed. Because most people who are employed will not answer a poll. They'll hang up. they got something better to do. They won't answer the call. It's a person with an unanswered won't, grievance. Won't tell them the truth in any event. I don't think they really care the truth. Yeah. A Trumpster is usually proud to be a Trumpster. Um, a person who's like agnostic politically, well, chances are, won't answer the call. And that's what I think about polls. It's basically a uh, the response from the unemployed. Now, what do you think about Stephanopoulos getting five hours with the Trumpster? Well, and on top of that, they pick some kind of rental car because Trump is right on top of <laughs> right on top well, of Stephanopoulos. They couldn't have picked a smaller car or what? I don't think Trump would have 
Look at the car he's in. Yeah, he's not. Well, he's not in his limo. Trump. Uh, Trump should not have let him in. Why Stephanopoulos not? He looked like a doofus. He's a political operator. That's all he is. Yeah, but Trump ran five circles around him. That's that's why Trump did it. He likes to taint, uh, taunt and you know bring him on. No, and, and created he created a narrative for a week. <gasps> oh. That's right. I won't call the FBI. I'll listen to my enemies. Let them tell me. No, no, not even enemies. The the example was Norway, a friendly ally. Yeah, well, he was smart in using that friendly ally. He used right. Nor- he used Norway. Oh, oh my yeah. God. No- Norway uh, loves to do joint exercises with American troops because they know that uh, the Russians could be coming after them. So they have all sorts of Well, our of Polish troops. fellow, what was his name again? Same thing, Richard Lugetko. Lug- Lugetko. Yes. Um, Understood. Isn't he, that... All those Eastern Europeans, especially like the Baltic countries, they are worried that they're going to be overrun by Russia again, and that Germany will at best do nothing and <laughs> maybe join, with join the, the Russians like yeah. they did before. So, yes, they're very concerned. They're very pro-American. The Polish government has offered an American uh, to, base. To, base, yeah, and maybe on the Black Sea. Maybe, uh, or not not on the Black Sea, on the Baltic Sea. Well, why, who do you think in the Defense Department is getting the Trump's way? Why aren't there plans to build a base? Well, you, have to, well, you have to you know spend the money to build a base and then uh, assign troops and all that. Yeah, but he doesn't have much time. He only got six years. Yeah, no, that's fine. you yeah. you got to leave office with a base in Poland. That's, Remember, Obama well, Obama well, neutered the base in Czechoslovakia. Right, but you know, we don't, I'm not sure we need a physical base, but that's Why not? Fine. All right, we'll send and close and close one down in Spain. It's nonsense. Uh, well, there's I, three American bases in Spain. Then what the hell for? No, that's uh, Spain is very strategic because it's on the western end of the Mediterranean, and so also when, the door to the Mediterranean. Right. So when you're going across the Atlantic, you need you. It's good to have a place to land, refuel, refresh before you keep going. Yeah, you probably have no choice. To, you have to land. Yeah, yeah. You have to so land in Spain. Otherwise, you have to keep going, and so it's better to be able to land and. And refuel and refresh yourself. So that's important. Well, that's what we also have uh, the island of Cyprus, which is a huge American base that's there. That's British, yeah. That baby take on all of the Middle East. I don't know why the Middle East wants to pick a fight with us. They're going to get pulverized. And Americans well, have got a lot of old stuff they got to get rid of the for Ar- the new stuff that's coming. The Iranians uh, have it in their ideology. They want to take out Israel, the little Satan, and America, the big Satan. Yeah, but they're they're Shiite, they're minority among. They're Muslim, so that's it's their ideology, world domination. I mean, at least we picked the larger the since, larger group. The Sunnis six, are much larger than the Shiites. Since 635, that's what they've done: world domination through violence and deception. Well, they definitely can do that with their rep, uh, reproductive rates, but they can't do that militarily. I'm not sure. I, in fact, if you look at it, Iran has uh, falling fertility rates. Yes, but they have. Increase fertility rates wherever they go in Europe. Well, not in Iran, so that's what we got to face. Well, not in Israel either. Israel's uh, Israelis are not reproducing. Religious, the religious Jews are reproducing. It's the secular Jews that are not. And that means that the birth rate in Israel is negative. Well, I don't know. I don't think it's negative. I think it's about even. And you know that in the United States, it's negative. Well. I, I did my part. No, you didn't. You and I have failed. Only two children? Two children. We failed the math. Needed to make another one? One 2. more. 2.1? One okay. more sustains the nation. So you I'll, and I I'll are I a plague do. on America's side. I still got time. Oh, I have time, too. No, no. You've got to be shooting talcum. 
65? <laughs> How old are you now? 62. Oh, yeah, Talcum. Talcum Bad Vidal. That could be your name. That could stick. <laughs> <laughs> Katrina, I'm sorry. It's you know it's not it's not about it's it's about you it's not about him but you know I'm very sorry I, that was just like slip of the tongue forgive me no we and we have a, a grandson due in October hey if he looks like me it wasn't me no, okay no uh, no my daughter's in New York yeah but you know no 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 I never met your daughter no um, no she wasn't here for thank, uh, Christmas we'll we'll bring her over sometime. Yeah, but now you know my table manners. You might not ever invite me to no, Thanksgiving no, you're dinner. Fine. Did I do okay? I didn't speak with my mouth open or anything. It was fine, no problem. And that, I've eaten at your house twice now. There you go, man. And you know he, the guy's special. Sometimes, considering he's an attorney, sometimes he's special. Sometimes, and I have a child that's an attorney. You know that, right? Yep. So I have full freedom of speech rights to criticize attorneys, considering I have a couple of them in my family. Yep. I have an in-law, by the way, who, uh, my infamous in-law, who's no longer at Greenberg Trog. No, she did very well. She went in-house to a uh, uh, soft bank, which is an investor in information technology in Latin America and everywhere. So, a Japanese company or no? I think it's based in Japan, but she's working for the U.S. branch. And I think they have a senior executive director, Marcelo Claude, who was at uh, Sprint, and he is a real whiz at any, all kinds of telecom and, and that, that business. And she, she developed an expertise with Telefonica. There you go. Because she did the merger for Telefonica. When he, uh, the merger, um, I think they expanded too fast in the end, but uh, no, she was but, part of the entire merger of Telefonica into a conglomerate. When that okay. young, there was a young CEO in there that was... Uh, uh, yeah, but she's now with SoftBank International. The and where did you Latin read that Bank. news? Uh I don't know. I think it may have been on LinkedIn. Really? Yes. He knows I don't like LinkedIn because yep. I'm not looking for a job. That's not what LinkedIn is for. It's just for. Um, it's know, the Facebook of business people. Networking. Networking. Well, yes. Yeah, less commentary. Yes, much less. Yeah, because people just get the scoop and they move on. They don't yep. make comments. They usually just congratulate you. Um, yep. That's, very that's just one more eyeball I don't feel like. Uh, Putting on social media, I'm getting exhausted with all of them. Quite frankly, I'm. I'm. What's happening to me is what's happened to many people on Facebook, is that we realize that we're being monitored, where our our expression is being suppressed. I already got my first, you know, complaints. Time out. Yeah, time out for three days each time, and it happened to me in 2008. No. When did Obama run again? 2008. Mm -hmm. And they were on my tail 2008, and I was being bludgeoned by them. They put me in one week of Facebook jail, but they didn't call it Facebook jail back then. Now it's a code of ethos. You have to be in Facebook jail at least once in your social media life in order to be called conservative. Yep. So it's Facebook jail conservative instead of radical conservative. Or, see, if you accept... If you accept radical left as a, as your idiom and your lexicon, mm -hmm. then you can't be offended when you're called extremist right. Right. Because there's no such thing as extreme right. Either you're conservative or you're not. It's plain and simple. It's not. It's not either or. And by giving us labels, you're offending Ben Carson. Yep. He was all against labels, and you are just, you know, you're just falling in. All for it. Yeah. Just like it. 
And you All just, right, so why don't we wrap it up and then bring on Adam Levinson. Uh, you said that like almost an, a minute and a half too soon. No, 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 no. What does your watch say? 7 o'clock. My watch says 57. Oh, okay. So what, we we draw straws here? Nope. Okay, so you're going to watch uh, Baby, I Love Your Way, Peter Friend? That sounds fine. Okay. That's the end of the Ed Vidal show. I'm just, that's it. I'm second place. Uh, just, this is the Ed Vidal show. I'm WSQF. Concrete Conservatives on WSQF. See you. Stay free. Adam Levinson Statues and Stories is right up next. If you like our programming on WSQF 94.5 in Key Biscayne, you can also hear us very far away nationwide, WSQFradio.com. And if you like our audio files and our subject matter, subscribe to YouTube Mac on the Rock Rampage. Take care and stay free.